Heavenly Father, as we open the word this morning, we ask that you would give light to every soul. You'd be at work by the Holy Spirit, causing wisdom and understanding and the impartation of grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to turn to the scriptures, to Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30, and we're going to see what Jesus had to say. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful that Jesus had things to say? So many ancient people, we have no idea what they said, but the words of Christ were life. People heard them. They struck their hearts. They wrote them down. We've got them today. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God. Jesus said, Matthew 11, verses 25 to 30, he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's an interesting couple of verses. It sounds like he's talking about a few different things, but he's talking about the one thing. It's amazing, really. I've had that, that phrase in my mind over and over the last few weeks. Take, take my yoke upon you. I've, I've just, it's, it's almost like the Lord's been saying it to me personally. And um, I, I think I know what it means. <laughs> and I'm going to explain it to you this morning because I think the thing he's saying to me, he's saying to you too. I think he's saying it to us all. And I know that sometimes you read that and you think, oh, I've got so many problems in life. Oh, I just need to hand them all over to the Lord. Because, you know, you know, you who are weary and burdened, oh, that's me. Just hand it all over to the Lord. Oh, thank God he's got my problems now. And, but he said, take my yoke upon you. <laughs> he's got something he wants to put on you and you've got to carry it. Well, that's the bit that I've been hearing what is this yoke you're supposed to carry? This burden that the Lord wants to put upon you. He's going to take your burden, but he wants to give you another burden. He wants to put it upon you, and he says it's going to be light, but it is a burden. <laughs> well, most people, I guess younger people probably, don't know what a yoke is. They th- the first thing they think of is, oh, that's the middle of an egg. No, not that yoke. <laughs> That is Y-O-L-K, that's yolk, yoke, <laughs> that yoke. No, that's not the yoke you're supposed to take. <laughs> There's a different yoke, Y-O-K-E, which is um, it's the thing that cattle used to put on them so they could pull a load. And I've got a picture of this yoke right here. You might need to get rid of the scripture to see it better. That's a modern day, that's a, a current photo of, from India right now. And I know, you know, in Australia you won't see that because they use tractors and stuff, you know, or utes with a load. But in India, where they're not as wealthy, they have these cattle with yokes. And the yoke is the wooden thing that goes across the top. And it, it's, the yoke itself is not the burden. 
The yoke is what you hitch the burden to so that you can pull the burden. So the cattle there have got the yoke on them and they're pulling a burden, which in this case is a cart with a girl. She's taken those cattle somewhere for whatever, whatever's going on, maybe coming home from market or something. So that's the yoke. And you know, back at the time Jesus said this, everyone knew what a yoke was because, you know, life was more like life in India back then. They had cattle and they used them to plough the fields, all sorts of stuff. They all knew what a yoke was. So Jesus is basically saying, all of you lot, put on the yoke and carry my burden. In other words, do what the cows are doing. <laughs> I've got a burden you've got to carry, put on the yoke. And a uh, yoke isn't only meant, it's not only used by cattle. I have a second photo, which when I was reading about yokes on Wikipedia, this photo was there and it said that this was a, a porter's yoke. If you can see, it's hard to kind of see clearly, but there's a piece of wood that's on that guy's shoulder and he's using that to carry this canoe. So there's other types of yokes as well. And in this case, we have a yoke which a human uses. So just so you know, it's not only a cow thing. Um, it's also a human thing as well. So Jesus said, take my yoke upon you for my burden is light. There's a burden that we're all supposed to carry and to do it, you need to shoulder the responsibility and carry that burden. So the question is, how, if the Lord wants you to carry a burden, what is the burden? And how can it be light? You know, Jesus is saying to you, come to me and I'm going to give you a rest. Now carry this burden. How can it be <laughs> that if you come to him, you're going to get rest if in fact you're supposed to be carrying a burden? How is it that all of that works exactly? So the questions are, I guess, what is the burden? How can the burden be easy or light if it is in fact a burden? And how can you find rest for your souls when you're carrying a burden? So those are the questions I'm going to answer for you this morning. And to do it, I'm going to turn, start by turning to a passage in the book of Jeremiah, which when you read it, and I'm, we're going to put it up in King James Version just to make the point really clear or really unclear because as you read it at first you're going to think this passage just doesn't make sense at all but then we'll put it up in NIV to help it all come alive a bit more but I've been going through the book of Jeremiah in my Bible videos and finding all the most interesting things in the book of Jeremiah and I've also been finding some horrible things too which I won't be preaching about but I might make a separate video all about some of them because there is, the Lord in his wisdom is so smart that he doesn't say some of the things that were going on at the time. He has the prophet stand up and rebuke the people for their sins and he mentions very briefly what they are. But I've been discovering in some of the archaeology how horrible some of the things were and realised the Lord was so smart to not put it down in black and white in the Bible. But when the prophet says that the Lord is displeased, boy, was he displeased. Some of the stuff going on it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And uh, no wonder Jeremiah in, goes out with a pot out of the Valley of Hinnom and says, this is my people, and smashes the pot. And like some of the stuff's just horrible. And uh, it's been really getting to me. <laughs> I don't think you can re really get into Jeremiah without it getting to you. And anyway, join me in the Jeremiah videos. And um, there's a lot to learn there. But we're going to Jeremiah right now. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 23. And we're going to read verses 31 to 36. And Jeremiah had a prophecy about the false prophets. So at the time Jeremiah was preaching the word of the Lord, he was giving true words, but there were these other people who were giving false words. 
And there were lots of those. They were saying all the nice things, like, don't worry, you know, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> saying nice things when Jeremiah was trying to tell them, repent, because the Babylonians are coming. So Jeremiah's trying to get them in the right frame of mind to get right with God, but the false prophets were saying peace and safety. Everything's fine. God's got your back. You don't have to do anything. You're fine the way you are. They were undermining the word of God. And so a prophecy came about the false prophets. And in this prophecy, we're going to learn about the burden of the Lord. Remember Jesus said he had a burden? Well, it so happens that this idea of the burden of the Lord features very prominently in this one passage. So Jeremiah is speaking the word of the Lord. In verse 31, he says, Behold, I am against the prophets, says, saith the Lord, that use their tongue and say, he saith. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. Yet I sent them not, nor commandeth them, therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. And when this people, or the prophet, or the priest, shall ask thee, saying, What is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt then say unto them, What burden? I will even forsake you, saith the Lord. And as for the prophet and the priest and the people that say, that, that shall say, the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man and his house. Thus shall ye say, every one to his neighbour and every one to his brother, what hath the Lord answered and what hath the Lord spoken? And the burden of the Lord shall ye mention no more, for every man's word shall be his burden, for ye have perverted the words of the living God, of the Lord of hosts, our God. It's kind of hard to understand all that, right? <laughs> because it's King James for starters. So it's kind of like, what on earth is going on there in those six verses? Um, if you read that in the NIV, it sounds a lot different. But did you notice that this phrase, the burden of the Lord, kept popping up over and over and over? as it does in the King James Version, but it, as it doesn't in your modern translations. Let's read that same passage in the NIV. Now, I haven't, haven't got that here in my notes, so I'm going to have to find it up there. Um, yes, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who wag their own tongues and yet declare, the Lord declares. Indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and lead my people astray with their reckless lies, yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord. When these people or a prophet or a priest ask you, what is the message from the Lord? Say to them, what message? I will forsake you, declares the Lord. If a prophet or a priest or anyone else claims this is a message from the Lord, I will punish them and their household. This is what each of you keeps saying to your friends and other Israelites. What is the Lord's answer? Or what has the Lord spoken? But you must not mention a message from the Lord again because each one's word becomes their own message. So you distort the words of the living God, the almighty, our God. So that's a whole lot clearer now in modern English. The burden was the Lord's message. So in these priests and these prophets, they were saying, they were asking Jeremiah, what burden is there from the Lord? In other words, they were saying to Jeremiah, what is the Lord's message? And the Lord's answer to them was, what burden? In other words, I'm not giving you one because you're not listening. 
And then it says that each one of them makes their own words their own burden. In other words, they make their own ideas up in their brain and say, that's the word of the Lord. So the Lord was very annoyed with it. It's very clear in the prophets, these are the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, that the burden of the Lord was the word of the Lord or the message of the Lord. Go home and reread that Jeremiah 23. You can read it in King James for fun and just try to wrap your head around the, the, the phrase the burden of the Lord is used over and over and over in that one passage. It's very, very interesting. Uh, probably a clearer example of it is in the book of Isaiah. There was this... Um, I went through the book of Isaiah in our videos too. And from around about chapter 10 of Isaiah through to around about chapter 20, every single chapter is a prophecy against a different country. So I think chapter 10 is the prophecy against Babylon. Chapter 11 is called the prophecy against is it the Philistines. I don't know. As it goes through, every chapter is a prophecy against a different nation. In the King James Version, or let's, let's pop up, let's say, chapter 15, just to show you um, chapter 15 in the NIV. If we pop that up, on the screen, you'll see there how it says a prophecy against Moab, and then chapter 15 starts with a prophecy against Moab. So that's the NIV. But let's put up the King James Version of the same passage, um, Isaiah chapter 15. Now it says, see there's no title, but the prophecy itself says the burden of Moab. Notice that? So every single passage going through, the actual Hebrew doesn't say a message, it says a burden. A burden against Babylon, a burden against the Philistines, a burden against Moab. It's every single chapter, chapter after chapter after chapter, all the way through the book of Isaiah for about 11 chapters in a row. So it's really clear in your, when you're in the major prophets that this idea of a burden is a word from God. It's Hebrew idiom. You know, we have our own idioms, our own, you know, they talk about pushing up daisies. It's a, an idiom or a figure of speech to mean someone's died. Well, the, 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 the idiom, the burden of the Lord was the word of the Lord or the message of the Lord. So we, um, and the Jeremiah passage is really interesting, the one that we just read. If you go read the whole passage, there's a play on words there with the idea of burden because the Lord says to his people, you've become a burden to me. So in that passage, the word burden gets used in two different ways. Like, kind of like, I've got my burden, you're not paying any attention, but instead you've become a burden to me. So there's a whole double play on words there in that Jeremiah 23. And they were a burden to the Lord. He was very burdened over them. And so we get to the New Testament and we've got this idiom that the people at the time understood, but we don't understand. When we read it, we think, oh, the burden of the, you know, you who are burdened, <laughs> come and lay down. And then Jesus, Jesus is using it in two ways as well. He's saying, but take my burden upon you. See, there's something going on there that we don't automatically get. So, the burden of the Lord in Matthew chapter 11, where he said, Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. His word is a burden to you. And you're supposed to take his word upon you, and it's supposed to be light. But what is the word actually? What's the exact word that he's talking about. Because you could say, oh, the whole Bible is the word of the Lord. The whole Bible must be the thing. But no, Jesus was speaking of a certain thing. And it turns out it's the gospel. And that's the thing that's been coming to me for weeks on end. I keep hearing this phrase, take my burden upon you. But 
the fr- what I'm hearing from the Lord is that I need to take responsibility for the gospel. You know, like the word of God that must be proclaimed to people who don't know it. That's the gospel. And if we go back to that Matthew 11 passage, do you remember it started out by Jesus saying, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to children. What were the things that were hidden from the wise and learned? It was the, it was the ways of God. It was the dealings of God. It was the, the message of salvation. The, the smart people of the day, the ones who supposedly knew their Bibles, the wise and the learned people, didn't see it. But the children, the, the, the simple ones, the, you know, your peasants from Galilee and people, they looked at Jesus and they saw it. The word of God came. The, gospel, the simple gospel message was received by those with simple faith, and yet those with complicated hearts didn't receive it. And Jesus noticed that. And then he said, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those who the Son chooses to reveal him. He's talking about the whole thing, about a revelation of Christ. That's what the gospel is. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. So what we've got is a world out there that doesn't have a revelation of Jesus Christ. They know that there's a person called Jesus, but they haven't seen him. You know, like on the cross when Jesus died, two thieves, they both see Jesus in the body, but one has a revelation of Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. And the heart changes. Well, you know, that's what we're talking about. So Jesus is saying that this burden of his, his word, his gospel, the burden of the gospel, the burden of the revelation of Christ to people, we must take it on ourselves. Well, at least that's the word that I've been receiving the last few weeks. I've been hearing the Lord speak it to my heart that we must take upon ourselves the burden of the Lord the burden for the lost, you could put it that way. Burden for people to hear the gospel. The fact that people need to see him and they haven't. And Jesus said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How exactly is his burden easy and his yoke light? Well, I'm going to take a few more minutes and explain, explain that. Has anyone ever, do you remember the moment you got saved? The moment you surrendered to the Lord, that would be the moment you received his gospel message, right? You remember that moment, how wonderful it was? The feeling of being a new Christian, the feeling of walking with him, what a joy. Anything that God asked you to do, it was no effort at all. <laughs> oh, Lord, you want me to, you know, to get up and pray in the morning? Oh, I just love to do it. The that's the burden of the Lord right there. Because you received his yoke, you received the gospel message, the message that liberated your soul, and it was such a joy to you to take his tasks upon you. I, um, Dad, Dad's um, comment there at the end about faith working through love, I guess you could summarise everything I'm saying as that. It was a very profound comment for him to just finish with the th- a thought. But you know what? When you have a heart of love, suddenly everything becomes easy. Now, I had a, a visionary 
an interesting visionary experience recently. As I've gone on in Christian life, I've collected some antagonists of various types. And um, you know what I'm talking about? Some of them are on YouTube saying nasty things about me. Other of them are, you know, living here in the city of Rockhampton and praying about me in the ways they think I should be prayed about. And there's all sorts of people that, that are, you know, in the antagonist category. God bless them. So I had a vision of one of these people and uh, they were in heaven and I wasn't in the dream. You know, I hadn't got to heaven yet, but they had made it to heaven before me. And um, this person in heaven, it was an interesting vision because I was seeing them in heaven, one of my antagonists, but I was feeling the emotion of what they were feeling in heaven. Like their experience of having been welcomed into God's heart and into his love. And I was feeling what they were feeling. And it was the most profound vision for me. This was just a few weeks ago. They were in heaven and they were contemplating me, of all people, the person that they had been antagonistic towards. And they loved me so much. And they were proud of me. They were looking at me on the earth at what I was doing and they were so proud of me. And it, it was like the things that I had done that annoyed them on earth didn't even exist. That the love of... Now, I felt it. I felt the love of God coming through that person so much so that I just felt loved by God. It was, it was a really profound moment. And... Um, that's not how I feel with them when I meet them on earth. <laughs> but it's, it's an amazing experience that's had me thinking about the love of God. Because how I would have described that as, I, I described that vision as an experience of God's pure love. And I've been trying to figure out what God's love actually is. What actually is God's love? Because we often experience love as a kind of, within a conditional context. You know, I've, I've loved you, so you love me back. You know, um, I've been, you know, I don't know, I'm, you know, uh, husbands and wives, or, you know, you're looking for a partner to marry in life, so you're looking for a good one. You're not wanting to just find any old person to love. You're wanting to find someone good to love. Uh, you know, so there's conditions there, you know? That everything we know about love on the earth is somehow within a conditional context. But in that vision of mine, I was so loved, completely separate to anything. And I don't understand it. Well, when you have a revelation of Christ, when you come into, the, uh, uh, I guess, a better knowledge of the gospel, what you're coming into is a better knowledge of God's love. And it's very liberating. And then, that's why, if you're burdened, come to him. Because he wants to take away your burdens. But then he wants to give you his burden. And his burden is, in fact, his love for others. That's the burden he wants to give to you. We often say to people, have a heart for the lost. Kind of like it's a rule you've got to have in your life. You know, if you're a good Christian, you've got to care about the lost because, you know, they're going to hell. And, you know, what decent human being would be heartless towards someone going to hell? You know, we get it. You know, but all it does is make you feel bad. 
And then it's very hard to feel compassionate when you're feeling bad because you know you ought to feel, you ought to care for someone, but you just don't care that much. But the Lord wants to give you his burden, which is his love for people. And if you take that upon you, it is a love that will compel you in many ways. You'll find it, it is indeed a burden, but as a light, it will carry you forward. But we can't just, it doesn't seem like it just appears out of nowhere. It seems like we've got to ask him to give us that burden. We have to take it upon ourselves. And that's indeed what I have been doing. Asking, the, the Lord's been saying it to me, take my burden upon you, a burden for the gospel, a burden for the lost. I've been asking him to give me that burden. And I want today you to do the same thing. We're going to round it up, round up this message now. The band, let's get the band back. But we, we're going to pray. And um, the Lord, last week, I talked about the fact that you need to wait on the Lord for power, gospel power. And I said that was a command, not a suggestion. I hope you've all been doing that. If you haven't, you need to do that because it's something the Lord said, not something I said. I was just highlighting that it's from the Lord. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch last week's message and start praying like that. It's the Lord's instruction to you. This week's message goes along with it. It's a similar type of thing. You need power so that when you share the gospel with people, it actually has an effect in their lives. You cannot save anyone. The Holy Spirit does that. It's his job. I never, ever feel any pressure at all. When I speak to someone about the gospel, I never feel any pressure to convert them because I just know I can't. But the Holy Spirit uses your words and he does stuff in people's lives you cannot do. That's why you must pray for gospel power. That's what last week's message was all about. But this week, I want to highlight to you how you must take the burden of the Lord upon your heart, which is none other than the heart of love for the lost that the Lord has. And once again, you can't manufacture it or make it up. You can't just suddenly decide you're going to feel full of love for people. You can't. But the Lord can give it to you. And it can grow. You can feel a bit of it, and it can grow. And so when you get a bit of a heart, a bit of a sense of the Lord's heart, it starts to make a big difference in the way you treat people. You don't take as many things so personally after a while. And it... Anyway, it's something you need to experience. So there's really no other reason why you would have people like the 12 apostles go out into all the world and die for that faith. Why would they do that? Why would people like... Missionaries go off to places like Myanmar and die faster than they can arrive, one after another. My wife's cousin, John, um, has just gone to Tanzania to translate the gospel into some language, some obscured village language. And he's committing his whole entire life into learning this, whatever language it is. I don't even know the name of it. Why do people do that type of thing? Well, it's because they got a touch of the love of God 
and they realised that other people don't know what that's like and they should know as well. Do you have any, do you have a touch of the love of God yourself? You probably do. Well, there's other people who don't have that touch. Well, we need them to know it too. That's the burden of the Lord. And Jesus is saying, take that yoke upon you. Well, what are you going to say to that? You're going to say, yes, I'll take that yoke. Of course you will. It's the only answer. And of course you want to. The Holy Spirit will help you. So now you've got to seek the Lord for two things. You've got to seek the Lord for power with the gospel, like I told you last week. And now you've got to seek the Lord for, you, you know, you've got to ask him to put his yoke upon you and seek him for a revelation of his love so that your heart changes towards the lost. I tell you what, if you can get a Christian that seeks the Lord in these two areas and prays through until they've re- re- had a breakthrough, you will be a different Christian for the rest of your life. No doubt about it. So that's what we're going to do right now. We are going to take, we're going to ask the Lord to put that yoke upon us. Do you want that yoke? Who's willing to take that yoke upon you right now? All right. I think there's nearly just about everyone. Well, we're going to pray right now in agreement. That's what we want. And the Lord can do it. He can put it upon us as a group as well. It can become more than just an individual thing. It can become a a corporate thing. You think about that church, the Moravians. Boy, did that church have... Uh, they cared about the lost, that church. Somehow, together they did that. Well, we're going to ask the Lord to give that to us today. There's no magic in the prayers. It's just a request in faith. Ask him to do that. Lord, we're here before you in your name. Lord, I thank you that you said, Lord, it's almost like a promise right here in the Bible. You said, take my yoke upon me and learn from me For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, you said, come to you and you'll give us rest. Well, Lord, we come to you this morning in response to what you've said here in Matthew chapter 11. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us rest for our souls. Lord, you would take off of us the burdens that we've carried for many different things. And Lord, here this morning, we willingly would say, Lord, give to us your yoke and your burden, the things that matter to you. Lord, as a group, as a church, and each of us here as individuals, Lord, you saw all the hands that were raised. Lord, you see our willingness this morning. Lord, I ask you to give us your yoke, give us your burden, that we might carry the burden that you have and that we might find, Lord, the grace for the gospel in our midst. So, Lord, I thank you. You hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.